Today's episode of Inside the Wires is brought to you by Xenon Paddle. All Xenon Paddles have been designed and engineered by a paddle player right here in the USA. Take your game to the next level. Play with Xenon. For more information, visit xenonpaddle.com. Welcome to Inside the Wires, hands down, the best podcast in all of racket sports. Listener discretion may be advised for a younger audience. Welcome back to the show. I'm Noah, and along with Ben, we're giving you a dose of paddle talk in the summer. Speaking of summer paddle, our guest today probably qualifies as an expert at what's so-called off-season for paddle. Uh, Doug Jones runs the Cincinnati Platform Tennis League, where they play year-round, have a great following over there. Doug's a guy I've mentioned on the air a bunch of times that I wanted to get on. Uh, I'm a big fan of his videos. I'm a big fan of his backhand and his cut shots. Uh, (laughs) So watch his videos. But in the meantime, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Doug, welcome to the show. We're, we're happy to have Doug Jones from Cincinnati on. Uh, Doug, thanks for being on. Yes, yes, I, I'm here. <laughs> well, that's that's good. We're, I guess we all are now in Zoom, right? Hey, um, yeah. I, I mentioned, I think, uh, on air a few times that I've, I wanted to have you on the show for a long time, and we've never spoken before, but uh, I'm just a big fan of the, the stuff you do in Cincinnati, both with the league and with the videos and, and things like that. And uh, as we talked about a little bit off air uh, on a, on a per pound basis, you might be the best paddle player in the country, I think. So uh, I'm, I'm a big fan for that reason. Cause I, I, I'm not the best, but I, I fit in the weight category. So excited to have you on. Um, can you tell All us, right. a, uh, tell us a bit about your background, both uh, in and out of paddle. Uh, well, uh, out of paddle, I mean, like a lot of people that get into paddle, I, I played a lot of junior tennis. So I grew up, uh, you know, playing Midwest uh, tennis tournaments and had rankings and got recruited to play tennis at Indiana and then uh, decided that that wasn't the route I wanted to go. Had they had uh, paddle in college, maybe I'd have done that. But uh out of college, I started a uh, an advertising and electronic uh, 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 email. Well, it was a fax-based business that had, uh, you know, a large daily readership where it was mostly ad revenue-based. I did that for about 15 years and then uh, da- have dabbled in some other small, like, startup businesses um, until I kind of started – running a uh, intense uh, local paddle league about 10 years ago. So I've been doing that for, uh, you know, since about 2013. So, so how did you get into paddle originally? I mean, obviously you had the tennis background, but what was the introduction? Well, the first time I played, we had a couple of courts. I grew up in South Bend, Indiana, and we had a couple of courts at a country club that I played at. I played just a couple times with my dad and some of his friends when I was probably 17, 18, 19 years old. Um, 
And then when I moved to Cincinnati after college, I uh, was kind of surprised to find out that it was a real sport with, uh, you know, actual infrastructure and leagues and, you know, clubs with like multiple clubs with courts. I thought it was just kind of a, a gimmicky thing that only we had. But uh, so then I, I kind of got into that and, and I got involved in the GCPTA, uh, which is our local team league, uh, through uh, some ex-tennis players that I knew that had a travel team that played at the different clubs. So, so Doug, I ask everyone that used to be a tennis player, uh, did you hate when you first played at 17, 18, did you hate paddle? Uh, no, I hated tennis and I liked paddle. I, I was oh, really? probably the reverse of that. I just, I just, I got bored with tennis. Tennis was pretty basic to me. Paddle with the screens and the, which is kind of more of a, a challenge and I just kind of liked it better. Uh-huh. Probably one of the weird, weird people that liked it when I was 18, 19 years old. Right. So out of Cincinnati now, what club, uh, what club do you play out of down there? Well, I belong to a club called the Indian Hill Winter Club, but they don't really have a a team that's in a, a correct division for me. So there's not a, I don't play in a team league. I don't really have an interest in that anymore now that I run a a league with a you know a couple hundred players playing in it. So I pretty much just do that. Yeah. So so tell us about that. I mean, I, I, there's plenty of places, whether it's Chicago or New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, big you know bigger communities that I think people usually associate paddle at least on a national level with. But uh, you guys have a very vibrant paddle community at Cincinnati. Can you talk about what it looks like between um, you know, like the team team leagues that you talk about and then the individual leagues. So tell us a bit about what goes on there. Well, I, I mean, the, the team league, we, we don't have any public access paddle. So there's no way for somebody to just simply be like, oh, I want to start playing paddle and go do it. It's only through private clubs where for a long time, the majority of the Cubs, clubs were uh, – pretty uh, uh, exclusive access over the past 10 to 15 years. There's been a few more like paddle tennis only options and some clubs that have kind of widened their prospecting scope through like, you know, allowing different types of members to play at their club. Um, But with that, back when it was mostly just, um, uh, private golf clubs, there weren't enough players or teams. So there were three or four travel teams that were mostly made up of like highly skilled tennis players that wouldn't, that could be competitive at the game without really having to play regularly. And that kind of filled out most of the team leagues. But then eventually as some clubs that were, you know, more like athletic clubs uh, and like the club I belong to is a, a hockey club. Nice. So they started to add more courts or add some courts. They wanted to kind of get the league to be only players that were already at those existing clubs. And that's kind of where uh, the need for my league, which uh, kind of recruits in, high level tennis players and lets them get acclimated 
meet some of the other people in the uh, community, get involved in pickup games, and eventually even sometimes end up in the the team league. Or a lot of the guys that have played in our league have ended up as tennis pros at some of these different clubs as well. Wow. So so how big is the, the team league then at this point versus – the, I guess the difference is, right, the league you run is an individual league. How, how many participants are there versus maybe in the team league? Um, in, in our league, we've had about 450 different players wow. with a skew, a skew definitely towards the top 20% in playing ability because, I mean, we've had a, over 100 players that played Division One college tennis. Wow. So – so the majority of the players are in the the top half you know of the playing community the the club league has like six divisions with about eight teams in each for men's and four four divisions of women with anywhere from seven or eight or nine players on the highest level teams to like, you know, 20 or 25 rostered on some of the lower teams. Are you guys, so, are you guys close to having any uh, kind of park districts or municipal uh, facilities in Cincinnati? We've, I've, I've had a lot of discussions with <laughs> different people who have looked at it and it, it just, I, I don't think so. Um, I've not really heard of, of anything that's imminent. Um, the, uh, so there are a few clubs where the membership isn't, you know, that restrictive. Um, but then again, you, you don't end up with much resource, meaning not a lot of available, available courts and, you know, teams have too many players, all that sort of stuff. Right. Yeah. It seems like stuff like uh, like the, the new flats project in Cleveland. That's I think they just broke ground recently on that. It's kind of a model for doing something a little bit new. And obviously, a lot of the park districts, not a lot, several of the park districts here in Chicago have really dynamic programs that again bring in people from out of the area, out of the immediate area as well. But so so talk a little about the individual league. Then. How does that work if you don't have any municipal facilities? Are you just, do you have some benevolent clubs oh, that we, allow people to come in or how, how does that work? Uh, yeah, that's basically what we do. I mean, what we, what, what our focus becomes is trying to get a large group of players at the existing club, like 10, 12, 15 players involved. And then we, we rent out the entire night. So like if a cl- club has three or four courts, we'll just, we pay $20 an hour to the club uh, for the entire year. So we'll rent out Thursday night at that club and then, you know, basically sell it as a, uh, a, a point of, you know, here's another way to get some of your members more acclimated to the larger community, more involved in playing with different people that are at a more precise level that's similar to theirs. Um, while still offering, you know, as well as uh, overflow capacity. I mean, if, if too many people from one club want to play, there's, we have, you know, some of the leagues we've done have had six different clubs participating. So there's, you know, 24 courts or whatever, and we can s- spread them out wherever. But it's the, 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 prior, the priority is to get people, you know, 
competitive matches each week. And we've all, we, we try to eliminate the biggest uh, hurdle, which is within a club, you have maybe 20 different levels that aren't very compatible as far as playing together. So by bringing in a whole bunch of, you know, other players from other clubs and mixing them together, you get a much more, you know, competitively sure. reliable match each week. Sure. No, that makes perfect sense. And, and uh, I mean, it seems like it's a great model for a lot of other areas of the country to use too, that they don't have the municipal infrastructure. And yet I know uh, Tierra and Cavana, um is a, uh, the president of the APT is a, is a listener and uh, Amin Kaduri is as well. So maybe we'll, uh, we'll have them spread the word to other, other areas about uh, using you as a model. Did you have um, a lot of pushback like initially when you brought this idea up to clubs about, you know, getting, using their courts for non-members? Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you kind of had to go about it uh, uh, strategically. <laughs> you had to, you had to get yeah. the right people involved and, uh, uh, and pitch the clubs that you knew didn't have a ton of current players and that could maybe use, you know, eight, nine, 10,000 extra bucks sure. to either fix up courts or maintain courts through the year. Um, so, I mean, before we got the like main clubs to participate, we kind of started with those. And then we've, we've had several of the main, main clubs participate, but there is always that balance of, of, you know, you have some pretty high paying members and, whether they want the like one court one time a year and it's not available. I mean, it's a, it's a balancing act. And the, the, the solution tends to be just trying to get as many of those players involved as possible. Sure. And, and uh, you mentioned 450 players uh, that have been involved in the program. What, what seasons do you run? Cause it's certainly not just a, a winter traditional winter season, right? I mean, you've got big season in, in, we, we, in summer. Yeah, we break it down into fall, winter, spring, summer, um, and sometimes even two sessions in the summer where each session's between nine and 11 or 12 weeks. And then, I mean, roughly, it, we, we try to keep the, the cost per player at around like 15 bucks a time. Um, but of course, they're paying, everybody's paying for everything up front. So, you know, we pay the clubs up front, we buy 15 cases of balls up front, all that kind of stuff. So, sure. so it's, it's just a, a shared, so we get a number and I'll just try to get to that number. So they'll be like, break even is 102 players. And that's what you try to get to. Gotcha. <laughs> and what, what about the popularity of, of, of the seasons? I mean, the spring, spring and summer are, are pretty popular, I imagine, aren't they still? Um. The play, the actual play is maybe on average more popular in the spring and the summer, and especially for the lower level players or the players that don't have kind of a pre-existing tennis background where their their points are shorter, there's some faulting and some missed returns. And, you know, from that, that standpoint, I think the actual play is, uh, but the the competitive environment for 
other things to do and, you know, kids are off school and people are doing, I mean, there's just way more competition for outdoor activities. So it's a little harder to get a large, reliable, consistent group. But the people who do play in the uh, summer, spring and summer, definitely play a lot. Yeah. They don't, you know, they're, they're not, they're not not liking the actual play of the game. Yeah, no, it's just amazing to me. It seems like what what traditionally has been thought of as a winter sport. Has, not anymore. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty year round now in in a lot of areas of the country for sure. Yeah. Well, well I think you definitely see a, a distinction between the members at a club that has golf and a club that does not have golf. The 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 players at a at a golf club don't tend to play much summer paddle the players at a tennis swim that kind of a thing they play much more right and one of the reasons is that you know if if a a larger scale club has a tennis program i mean the tennis pro makes the majority of their income off of tennis and they're they're trying to expand that that tennis season as much as possible probably don't have a lot of uh, motivation to get platform tennis programs running in the summer. So, Sure. Interesting. Well, Hey, Doug, can we touch on something else that, uh, that you do? Noah, for as long as we've been doing this show has been a fanboy. He, uh, he's got a man crush on you and I'm pretty sure it's because of the, uh, the videos you do. Uh, uh, did you have a background? Yeah. Or uh, how how did you get into doing these videos? Well, I mean, I have a background in the, in the fact that I, I smart I've started a a business with just one other person when I was uh, right out of college, and you know you you get to the point where you have to do like seventy five different jobs, so then you you see something and you're like, what does what does this need the, the the sport or at least my league needs some way to to get people interested in the game yep. um that don't play it my focus is always on the people that do not play it and have never heard of it not the existing community there's gotcha. there's an there's 5000 people in a 15000 person sport that are focused on inside the community so i'm just like trying to make videos that you know i mean you've got the breakdown of a paddle point it it can start and it can be pretty boring with serving faulting missing but once a point gets going there's tactical components and all that and then ultimately most longer points end in some sort of interesting way so i just tend to make a lot of highlight videos of the interesting parts of the the points and i I personally find like all the different levels interesting in some way. Absolutely. So, so how do our millions of listeners go about finding your videos? Uh, where do they YouTube? And what oh, do they well, platform tennis league.com is a, a good place. Okay. Um, all the videos are on YouTube. So um, you can find them on YouTube. If you, if you search platform tennis league, Gotcha. Uh, you'll find quite a few of them. Platform Tennis Cincinnati, anything like that. 
when they, Tyler when they, Frazier, you'll find you'll find Tyler Frazier in some of the videos. So never heard of. I know he's a, he's a national figure these days. So. Yeah, for sure. Tyler, uh, prior to Cincinnati's, had a had a good run with, nationally with uh, Chicago's own Adam Morgan. So that's got to be good to see. I'm sure the uh, Cincinnati community's getting behind him pretty good, right? Uh, yeah. The 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 people that that. Since I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, it's hard to say who even knows about. We're we're a little different, probably, than some of like Chicago or the East Coast, where the majority of our participants aren't all that aware of the national paddle scene. So they definitely know Tyler because he he wins our local tournament every year. Uh, our our Herzl Cup is our city tournament, so they they definitely know him from that, and they definitely know him. From the fact that he never loses a, a league match, but you know, <laughs> as far as how much they follow the the national tournament, I'm not really sure. Yeah, well, he's uh, he certainly had a good run there lately, and uh, you well, know, for uh, can we call out another Cincinnati person while we're on here? You got Heather Prop too, absolutely, who had a fantastic year on the women's side. Uh, yeah, yeah, Heather. Uh, I mean, I, I saw a couple of her results. I, I play with her a few times, and she she seems to be in the same form that she's been the last 10 years or so. So She's um, amazing, and I don't want to insult Heather, but, uh, you know, she, she hangs in there with these uh, – I, I don't want to say the word, but less exper- let's call them less experienced than her. She's very experienced. <laughs> Uh, but she hangs in. Yeah, but she's, she, she, you know, she's, uh, she's a a great player, probably. You know, when you're from Cincinnati, you don't always have the, the same, you know, tournament participation and partnering options as the Chicago and East coast players. So, I, I mean, I'm fairly certain that she's been a top five or six, player probably for the past 15 yep. years or so um and she's she's a great support partner and uh you know i mean she can probably win with a a, a variety of of partners so oh absolutely no oh, she's had a great season i just wanted to give her a quick shout out so uh, oh sure yeah and, and you know tyler, she's, not, she's, she's not got the same cutter as tyler but you know wait, wait. no Wait, wait, yeah. it, Tyler, Tyler certainly got a cutter. But again, when people go to watch those videos that you put out, Doug, again, you, you have a phenomenal backhand. I love you get over the top of it and a great cutter. So you guys got to you got to look for the cutters that uh, uh, the fanboy. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, you, yeah my, my highlights just don't involve a lot of running. Right, listen, I'm with you. A lot of, a lot of standing and hitting. <laughs> with you. You just hope to hit it right to you. It's perfect. But uh, don't sell yourself yeah. short. I've seen you move pretty good in those videos, too, although that might <laughs> that might be selective editing. I don't know, but it's good, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's camera tricks. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, Doug, while we got you, uh, a lot of people were talking about it at my tennis club today. I wanted to bring it up. I'm pretty sure you and Noah are on the opposite side of the argument than I am. Uh, very quickly, give me your view on Naomi Osaka. Um, my my those, personal opinion those, is that... Let me, can I cut you off real quick? For those of you who don't know, sure. she 
she she bowed out of the French Open after she played her first round match. She refused to do uh, the interviews after the match, was fined $15,000, uh, and then um, bowed out after, uh, out of the tournament after some, a little bit of backlash. So that's kind of where we're at. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Keep going. Yeah, I, I think it, in this particular case, I'd make a distinction between an individual sport and a team sport in the fact that she's not really representing a team or an organization or, or really even a larger league. She's, she's primarily representing herself and her, her decisions should be hers as far as how comfortable she feels at any given point. Um, you, you know, talking publicly, uh, you know, especially if she's having, uh, uh, you know, mental health issues. I mean, those are extenuating circumstances that I, I think the French Open should have been a little more uh, sympathetic to. Um, there's obviously uh, deterrence to her just not talking uh, publicly because she just wants to pull some sort of uh, power play. Uh, right. She wouldn't do that because it would probably hurt her financially to do that on a repetitive basis. So, so to me, it, it, you know, I would support her over any organization that would want to force her to, you know, do something that was uncomfortable. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I'm on the other side of that. I, I, I think that I, I love that she brought up about mental health, huge issue and, and good for her. Um, but interviews and public appearances are a huge part of their what they sign up to do. Just playing on the court is is a big portion, but promoting the promoting and being able to bring the money in so she can get paid two million dollars for winning the tournament is part of the talking out. And if she if mental health was the issue, and maybe she shouldn't have come and played the tournament. Take time, sort yourself out, and and don't play probably the most mentally taxing of all sports. Uh, it might, you know, tennis, take a little break. Don't do that. I just think that giving a 10 minute interview and answering a couple of questions is, is one of your obligations as a tennis player. And she knows that signing up into the tournament. Um, that's just kind of where I go. I'm going to disagree. I know you will. Well, I mean, you know, her, her. And I are having lunch tomorrow and we're going to fight. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like my odds, but I appreciate I that. Uh, yeah, I will lose uh, that. I, uh, no, you know what I mean? You know, if, if she uh, if she gets to be number one in the world and then decides she wants to quit playing, that's her choice too. I mean, she again, mental health aside, right? She can make whatever choices she wants. I don't think she's got an obligation to, to do anything. And she, her obligation is to go out and play and put on a good performance for the fans who are paying money to watch. But, you know, if there's financial consequences from sponsors and whatever for not, uh, you know, for, for her not talking as much well then she can take those if she wants to or she doesn't have to play or she does everything but those are you know those those are her choices i don't think there's anybody else to to say what she has to do i mean people can who are who aren't as good build up their their reputation and their their top of mind presence by by doing interviews and stuff that's what they want to do that's their prerogative but i, I don't think you should force someone to do that yeah, I yeah. That's I why. Just... That's why. I, that's why I personally stopped playing tennis when I was like eighteen. I didn't. 
I didn't want to win Wimbledon and have to publicly speak for a living. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Well, listen, it worked out well in hindsight for you, Doug. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Plus, I could eat a lot. All right. Well, hey, Doug, Noah and I are going to fight tomorrow. We'll let everyone know the, uh, the result, which is Noah, Noah winning. Uh, but, hey, we'll, uh, we'll, we, we really appreciate your time and, uh, Absolutely. We'll let you go enjoy your evening. We know you're an hour ahead of us and uh, we, we thank you for your time. And Noah truly, he's talked, he said a few times, it's a lot, Doug. He spoke about you a lot. So, uh, <laughs> okay. check, out, this, check out the videos on YouTube. Was it Platform Tennis yeah. League where they can find the videos? Yes, platform, platformtennisleague.com, yes. Perfect. Well, we appreciate your time, Doug, and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks, yep, Doug. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much to Douglas Jones uh, for being on the show today. Noah is a massive fanboy and loved every minute of Doug being on the show. But please go on go on YouTube and check out his videos. He's at uh, Platform Tennis League on YouTube. You can see uh, see all, the, all of his hard work and the good stuff he's put together. Also, again, please check out the Mud Hole Tournament in Columbus, Ohio, the Saturday after July 4th. Uh, it's July 10th, and it's run by a good friend of the show, Mr. Brian Hile. So uh, please make sure you sign up for that if you can. Thanks for listening, and we'll have a new episode out in a few weeks. Later. Later.